Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Back at it again, episode 107 for the love of the game. Let's go. That's a episode 107 for the love of the game a big time episode tonight because we didn't do it last year so we're doing it this year back at it selection sunday has come and gone so we are officially in march madness time it is glorious it is beautiful and i can't wait to have a recurring guest, I'm sure you all know who it is, to preview the tournament, to break down the bracket, to break down the selection show, what the committee did right, which was a lot. They didn't really get it wrong this time, so kudos to them. Super, super excited to be talking NCAA tournament again, considering last March we didn't have it. So we're back. We're back at it. A couple of quick things of note before we get started into tonight's episode. Two quick NBA thoughts. One, the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat are really good, all right? When Jimmy Butler plays, the Miami Heat win. This team is, as I mentioned it before on a previous episode, I think in episode 104, they were about to go on a major hot streak. And guess what? They're in the middle of that hot streak. The Miami Heat are dangerous. They're really, really dangerous, and they have a trade to make. It has been clear that there's been a top three in the East. Well, the Miami Heat are creeping up to that echelon of team to make it a top four in the East. Yeah, really excited to watch them. And as a Knicks fan, it pains me. It pains me how much I enjoy this Heat team. But they're on a nice little stretch. Jimmy Butler, if he didn't miss all these games due to an injury and COVID, he'd be in the MVP consideration. The Miami Heat, look out for them in the second half, as I mentioned before. I'll say it again. Two, Charlotte Hornets, another team that I mentioned on episode 104 that was going to make a run. Well, they're playing really, really good basketball. And at this point, LaMelo Ball, you can't take him out of the starting lineup because he's been absolutely tremendous. He's running away with the rookie of the year right now. I, I, the numbers he's putting up is staggering. Absolutely, absolutely staggering. And he's making winning plays. He's making winning plays. If you watched him in Australia last year, the way he played, you wouldn't think that he was able to do what he's doing now because it's been a complete role reversal. Just the way he moves the ball, the way he plays with his teammates, it's just tremendous. And Malik Monk, someone who I never sold my stock on Malik Monk. I know Bill Simmons says he's the only one in America who has stock. Well, I still have stock too, buddy. All right. He's been awesome. The injury to Devontae Graham has opened up minutes for him and they've been great. They've been great. Charlotte, we mentioned I was excited about them in episode 104, and they have done nothing since to limit that excitement. One quick note on the NFL. So free agency starts today. 
Uh, there's going to be a bunch of signings. I mean, we saw Taysom Hill get a ridiculous contract, and I saw the push notification on ESPN yesterday. The number that he got was four years, $130 million from the Saints. And you're just like, what is going on here? Like Taysom Hill, I thought it was like a Tyreek Hill extension or something. Taysom Hill getting that money. And then you read the fine print, which you have to do with all NFL contracts. It's basically a two-year, $12 million deal. So as Ryan Rossillo, my guy, has said multiple times, you got to be a little wise about reading – I should say reacting to the sheer number when it comes to NFL contracts because it's all about the fine print. But none of that matters right now. None of that matters because it is March Madness week, the best couple of days of the year with wall-to-wall action. And again, it's going to look a little different this year. We're not going to have the Thursday, Friday like we normally have. It's going to be pushed back Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday being the first round of the tournament because the first four games that's not the first round so yeah it's gonna look a little weird it may not be as great for your uh scheduling but cherish it embrace it think back to what last march was like when the tournament was canceled everybody was devastated we were all devastated we all love march madness so yeah march madness is back this year enjoy it as much as you ever would And right now, we are about to bring on a recurring guest to break down the bracket in just a matter of moments. As you all could probably expect, it is that time of year. And no, I'm not talking about NFL free agency. No one cares that the Patriots signed Nelson Aguilar to two years, 26 million. He stinks. No one cares. We've got Knicks Nets tipping off later tonight. We'll push that to the back burner. But right now, we are... March Madness season, conference tournaments have happened, Selection Sunday has happened, and you know who I needed to talk to about it, Mr. Jordan Marks. Jordan, we're after a year off, we are back. Yeah, it's it's truly unbelievable. I mean, we, we said it at the start of the season that it was crazy that we even got to a point to start the season, but now that you get those perfectly clean brackets, 68 teams in the field, we're doing this. We are so back. All right. Before we get into stuff, we wanted, I just wanted to ask you about the um, – obviously, this year is going to be a little bit different television scheduling-wise, right? So the first day of the tournament where the field of 64 – we're not talking about the first four games. The Technically, the first round. No one calls that the first round, all right? Those are the playing games. Uh, there is Michigan State and UCLA, two blue blood programs playing – in one of those first four days. So that's kind of interesting. But the first games really start, Field of 64 starts Friday. So can you tell me why this is happening, why we're messing with a good thing? Yeah, so it's, it's, I don't know if it's it's really our option, right? The whole Our option was not to play all these games in, in six arenas in Indianapolis either, right? We wanted to go around the country, award teams that got better seeds, uh, with regional um, advantages and things like that. But no, we're playing them in six arenas in, in Indianapolis at 25% capacity. Um, and, and obviously this is all for the safety of the, of the, of the student athletes. So they're doing this five day quarantine period. I think you need seven days straight of negative tests. So I think that was part of it um, to get from the, tor- the conference tournaments. And I think you probably, if you watched any of the shows yesterday, you saw a lot of teams in flux, whether it was interviewing Nate Oates of Alabama on a bus or Scott Drew was in the hotel bar 
uh, it was just, it, everyone's just trying to stay wherever they are or they're heading to Indianapolis because they have the test. So we're starting on Friday because they wanted that period of quarantine um, in, their, in, in each of their respective hotels. And then the following weekend, um, we're going to start the following Saturday. So it's going to be another five days from the, it's going to be another five days from the Monday where the round of 32 ends. Gotcha. Okay. So it's basically uh, COVID logistics, but I thought, I thought the plan was, and again, I could be totally wrong here, um, but I thought the plan was to have all the conference tournaments in Indianapolis, right? Where everybody's under the same roof and you're not going to have these issues. So, so no, they, they I mean, they, in my opinion, there was probably no reason for the conference tournaments. Looking at a thing like the ACC where they have three of the teams are gone or whatever, two of the teams are gone. So um, it, really, I, I didn't see a reason for them. But uh, no, just the Big Ten was in Indianapolis. They actually moved that um, from Chicago. Got it. Okay. All right. So yeah, I was I was a little off there. So we just you just mentioned the ACC. Uh, there's a uh, big time program uh, that is an ACC member. That did not make the tournament this year. Uh, obviously, there was a COVID test, uh, a negative test that officially ended their year, but it looked like their year was going to be ended anyway. And we're not making light of, of COVID tests. Hopefully, everybody's all right. Um, but how quick can Coach K basically use the COVID test as an excuse for like, well, we didn't get a chance to run the table and win the NECC tournament. So technically, it's not that we had a bad year that we missed the tournament. How convenient is this of an excuse for Coach K? Yeah. Uh, yeah. As a as a North Carolina fan, you're definitely relishing this. But for sure, definitely a frustrating season for K. I mean, first time missing the tournament in what, 25 years, I think. Uh, with, with that being said, I mean, this Duke team – you could say that they didn't, they missed the tournament of COVID, but they had no business earning a bid in this field. Uh, when we last spoke, actually, at the start of the season, I was thinking about like our last conversation. We talked about Duke. We said Jalen Johnson looks like he could be a, fr- a special freshman, um, maybe all ACC type player, lottery pick kind of guy, maybe. Uh, and then, you know, you get Wendell Moore and Matthew Hurt. Maybe you get some sophomore leaps there. That didn't come to fruition by any means. Uh, Jalen Johnson no. opted out a month ago uh, after he was struggling through ACC play. Uh, a lot of turnovers, stupid fouls. Duke went 500. They lost nine games. When was the last time Duke lost nine games in ACC play? Finished in 10th place. They got destroyed Gross. by Illinois in, in non-conference play. They beat. They beat. They lost to MSU actually. Who, as we see, MSU is not such a great team in the first four. Uh, thankfully, uh, but you know. This is this wasn't a great season for Duke, but with that being said, I know you want to relish in Duke's demise, but I don't think this is going to be a long drought for Duke. They're, they're enrolling Paolo Banchero and A.J. Griffin, who are two of the best players in the nation next year. Um, I, I don't think we're going to see it. Of course it's not going to be a long demise. That's not the way this works, but still, we got to shit on Coach K when we can. I mean – he, Coach K acted like such a jackass the entire year, the entire year. They got smoked by Illinois at home, and he's like, I don't think we should be playing this season. Shut up, Coach K. It's not that you don't think we should be playing this season. It's because you just got your ass handed to you on your home floor. Yeah. He, he, this, yeah. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. He, 
he couldn't he couldn't hide behind Cameron Indoor being sold out. He couldn't he he, he had clearly talent issues, right? And then yeah, I mean, he could his one thing is that he's old, right? So he falls into a category of that's extremely vulnerable to COVID. So I guess that could be his excuse, but again, the team just wasn't there. The best this whole year, I, I shout out to Barstool Big Cat, who always posts the gif of Coach K lying on the floor when they lose. Like that was basically this whole year, and it was wonderful. And I'm not such a Coach K hater up until this year. Like he's just like, you gotta respect the guy's ability to win, like an unbelievable career. But man, was he a smug asshole this year? Fuck him. Anyway, all right. So on to uh bigger and better things to the teams that matter. We got a bracket. Uh, the actual bracket. Um, what was your initial uh, take of the bracket when you saw it unveiled yesterday? Uh, what stood out to you? To me, it seemed like the committee got it right. I mean, I think the one seeds were fairly obvious. Any objections? What yeah, stood out? I mean, I think this year more than ever, the committee really got it like really, really did a nice job with, with the teams in the field. I mean, there wasn't a lot of non-conference play, so really wasn't a lot of um, – mid-majors that like were on the 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 uh, edge um I, I think they did a good job at the, at the 40 or so at large teams uh and the final teams that were left out basically like louisville was the main team that people were maybe considering but ah. louisville went one in six in the first quadrant i mean you if you're louisville you have an opportunity to make the tournament and you don't come fr- through with that like that's that's on you you know what i mean so I'm good with Louisville being left out, but in terms of actual issues with the, with the the committee, I mean, it's really just a an order thing. Um, I have a few qualms here, but I thought you know I thought Oklahoma State, uh, Cade Cunningham, they were awesome down the stretch, and and we'll we'll definitely get into Cade a little bit more. I mean, they beat Baylor in West Virginia last week, who are two outstanding teams. I thought they were over underseeded. I thought they a four seed was too high. To too high. Like too oh, high I mean, too low, too low. I thought they should have been yeah, yeah, a three yeah. or below. Yeah, yeah. The number eight strength of schedule. I mean, they, they, they've been awesome. Uh, Avery Anderson, Isaac McCauley, like they, they're, they're really a good team. It's not just Cade. I mean, they're, they're, Cade's amazing, but they've been awesome. So I thought they were a little low. I thought Connecticut also has been really good since James Booknight came back. Um, we'll and, get to them because they're interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they're really interesting. Um, I don't know if you want to get into them now, but uh, I mean, it's, it's not just book night either, but when book night's there, he makes everything happen. I mean, they are number 16 on Kempom, 15 BPI, 23 in Sagarin. I can name all these amazing metrics. It, it does not equivocate to a seven seed. It, it just doesn't. So that, that was a little weird. And then, and then I have two teams that I thought were, were just a, I have one team actually just thought it was a bit high that Colorado, um, you would not watch a lot of Pac-12 basketball because it's on that stupid Pac-12 network and it's really late on the East Coast. But, I mean, they have three, one of the, one of the three of the worst losses. And I just can't excuse bad losses. If, if you're going to be a high major team and, and you dropped games to Washington and Cal that are that literally have no business being in a Power 5 conference and, and you do it at home, that's that, that does not equivalent to a top five seed. Um, so... Colorado, I thought was a bit high, but other than that, really, um, really, really, uh, it's, it, the teams are right, and it's a competitive bracket, and I, I really just can't freaking wait for this weekend. The Pac-12, um, 
has been a down conference this year, but I thought they got a lot of respect from the committee in terms of the number of teams. Like you could have made an argument that they could have gotten only four teams, um, but their their seeding their seeds were high. Like USC got a, a very fair seed, I thought. Like sure. Oregon, I mean, they're always confusing around tournament time, but I, it's just I, I thought the Pac-12 got a lot of respect. Yeah, and I mean, if Arizona didn't wasn't was able to compete, they'd probably be in the tournament too. And then Oregon State stole a bid, so that's like more. So right. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Um, USC, we'll definitely get into them later when we talk about NBA players. <laughs> yeah, uh, just to just to tease it, we're going to talk about you know high seeds that seem to be in trouble. We mentioned UConn being a seven. The obvious choice, like right off the bat, is Alabama, the two seed. Um, that. I that's a tough road for them in the second round, potentially, but we'll get into that uh, in a little bit. I wanted to talk about uh, before, you know, talking about the ACC, your alma mater, the Michigan Wolverines. You guys are now a basketball school. How are you, you feeling about your Wolverines right now? A number one seed in the tournament, Juwan Howard's doing big things like, Wax poetically, go off. This is your segment. Let's do this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, just seeing Michigan with a number one seed, it's not, you know, it's it's not something you're used to, um, but it's something I, I hope that the world gets used to because it's looking like this is going to be a long-term thing. So I'd love to say that I'd be riding high and, you know, I, I, I'm comfortable with where they are at a one seed, but it, 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 given that this is the single greatest season in my lifetime as a Michigan fan, probably the best season at Michigan since like the late nineties when Juwan himself was enrolled at the university. But um, it, it's tough not to feel a little down given the circumstances. I mean, you lose three games of the past five uh, with an absolutely heartbreaking news that Isaiah Livers, who is one of their, you know, best forwards, you know, best defensive players in the country, a complete mismatch. He shoots 45% from three, really difficult to defend. Um, he, he has, I think it's a stress fracture. They said it's a stress injury in his right foot because they want to be vague about it. But um, losing him is tough. With that being said, I mean, this wait. So, team, so hold on. So he's he's basically out the entire tournament. Like that's it. Out out indefinitely. A stress injury to his foot. I don't know. It's that not means. great. With that being said, this team is definitely not a one seed for one player. You know, it's not. This is not. Um, you know, an Oklahoma State or a UConn where like they they rely on one player heavily, right? So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a mature, it's a deep basketball team. You got you got a mix of really hungry, experienced guys like Mike Smith, Eli Brooks, Chandy Brown, and then you have a really super talented big in Hunter Dickinson. Um, you have an NBA talented guy in Franz Wagner, who's Moe's brother, and um, and that and it's a really good coaching staff. Juwan has has proved his chops. I mean, he 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 has the NBA X's and O's, and and he surrounded himself with Phil Martelli, who who coached that Jameer Nelson St. Joe's team back in the day. So. It's a good staff. It's a good mix of talent. And, you know, they just played Ohio State on Saturday in the Big Ten tournament toe-to-toe, and that was without Isaiah Livers. And, you know, I don't really see them playing a team of that caliber until maybe the Elite Eight. So um, they, they, they've set themselves up with a nice path, and uh, and we'll see. I mean, it's a single elimination tournament. Anything could happen, right? And initially, I just didn't think their, their draw was – Super, super tough. Like, I thought they actually got a better break than, say, Baylor, who was the number two one seed. Well, yeah, I mean, we can get into that in a bit, but 
you know, a lot of people are, are, are talking about this LSU St. Bonaventure's matchup. I mean, LSU, but, but, but LSU is a really high octane offense. It's a lot of threes, you know, but it's a really young team. Um, and then St. Bonnie's, I mean, they're, they've been super successful this year. They won the A-10. They're, they're, they're really good, good guard play. But, you know, I mean, Michigan is so deep, so good, really good offense, really strong defensively, and have a really, really good big that kind of dominates the post. I'll tell you this. Uh, obviously, we've seen, you know, college coaches jump to the NBA and, and such. I don't think Jawan Howard's going to the, back to the NBA. Because, like, he's he's on pace to be what, like, Coach Cal is at Kentucky or what Krzyzewski is at – well, maybe not Krzyzewski, but, like, what those guys are to their programs. Like, he's the dude there, you know. In the NBA, as, as prestigious as a coaching job as it is, it's like you still, like, are catering to your players. That's the way the league works now. Juwan is the celeb there. Like, he's the man. So I, yeah. I don't see him going anywhere. And, and if that's the case, Michigan's going to be good for a long time because I think people are going to want to play for him. I, I hope the audience isn't big enough that people are hearing this conversation because I don't want him to get any sniffs. But, yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, he he's also so, uh, like, so deeply known in the grassroots basketball world. Like, everyone knows about the Fab Five. He has so many ties to high school coaches in the Southeast, the Midwest now. I mean, he's, he's really, he, he's really a presence both at the high school and collegiate level that I think that's really going to help us for our future as well. So, yeah. So Michigan, uh, Michigan is on the up and up and we'll, we'll talk about their draw in a little bit when we pre preview the tournament, but uh, yeah, it's gotta be a fun time being a Michigan alum right now, uh, considering you guys have now become a basketball school, a basketball powerhouse. Um, moving to the ACC. Um, did you think the ACC got a little too much respect from the, uh, the committee? I mean, I know it was a down year. Duke was not necessarily very good. I mean, Carolina had a weird year. They weren't great, but they still seemed they got a good amount of teams. And is that just because we didn't have at a conference play? So like you couldn't justify respecting the mid major like you normally would, but like, I, do you think the ACC got like too much love? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of this has to do with the perception that you just said, right? Like Duke missed the tournament, North Carolina is down and Louisville missed the tournament. Um, but at the same time, like all those teams that made it, they had resumes that that they should have been in the field. I mean, I, I definitely want to start by highlighting Georgia Tech because they, they've been super fun over the past couple of weeks. And it's been a long time since Georgia Tech has been cool and fun. Um, Jose Alvarado, Moses Wright, really experienced dudes. Um, they're also on the glass. They're value basketball, great defense, into transition, awesome team. Uh, Syracuse. They're not sexy, but I mean, seven wins in the first two quadrants. They've been playing really well over the past month. Uh, yeah, they had a great late stretch. Yeah, they deserved it. Virginia Tech kind of saved themselves. They had a COVID pause for a while. So, um, and, and they also had a good, good early season victory over a fully healthy Villanova. Um, and then Virginia and FSU are probably right around the four line, which makes sense for them. Um, yep. I think Clemson made it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, Overall, these aren't like high seeds, but they right. don't have resumes to be in the field. So 
do I think that there's a final four team in there? Probably not. Um, but uh, again, you know, just the, the making the tournament for a lot of these programs is so important. So a lot of people are, are feeling um, Florida state in the, in the final four this year, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But uh, before we move on, just quick shout out to uh, New York Knicks great and Georgetown legend, Patrick Ewing for uh, leading his, uh, his Georgetown Hoyas to Big East championship. They got a, a um, an automatic bid to the tournament. Georgetown's back in the dance. Patrick Ewing is dumping on the security guards for um, for not recognizing him. So show Patrick Ewing his respect, but more so than the security guard thing is like it took him such a long time to get a head coaching job. I know he was up for some jobs in the NBA uh, and he was up, you know, he was talking to a lot of people and finally he's back in his alma mater. Good for Patrick Ewing. I wish him all the success considering he's the greatest uh player in uh, Knicks history and, you know, brought a lot of smiles uh, when I talk about, when I think about my childhood, even though there was, you know, a lot of disappointment. So uh, shout out to Patrick Ewing. Good for you, man. Um, Just wanted to get that out there. So we've got the one seeds, right? So as we mentioned, Michigan, we've got Gonzaga, we got Baylor and we have Illinois right off the bat. Who to you got the easiest road as a one seed and who has the toughest road? Okay. So let's start with the toughest because I thought you mentioned Baylor, but I'm actually going to go with Illinois. Um, So yeah, Illinois, I thought, and and let's just, the way it was seeded, Michigan was fourth and Gonzaga was first, right? So that's why you have top left, you have Gonzaga, Michigan fourth, so second, third. So Illinois was third. I thought they had the toughest road, to be honest. Um, in, in the second round, so after you after they win the 16, see after they win the 116, they're either going to get a top 10 team in Kempom in Loyola, Chicago. Granted, metrics are metrics regardless of conference. Nobody wants to play a team that's rated top 10 by any metrics. And Loyola, Chicago is that super experienced team. Cameron Krubig's good big. Um, or, or they get that team that I just mentioned, Georgia Tech. I mean, they're on fire lately. ton of seniors. Um, you don't want that. Then you get probably a date with Cade Cunningham. I mean, that doesn't sound fun. Yeah, it's uh, tough. And, and then you either get to a, a pain in the ass team to play in West Virginia or, or this Houston team that looks pretty lethal on offense. So um, I just I don't think the committee uh, really had the right idea with Illinois. Uh, being the third versus the fourth. I think that probably should have been Michigan's uh, road. Yeah, I initially thought Baylor had the toughest schedule, but then I um, – because I, I looked at, like, Villanova as a five, and I know that they just lost Connor Gillespie, but Gillespie. Villan- but Jay Wright does his thing in the tournament. Um, and obviously the eight, they're eight, nine with uh, Carolina and Wisconsin – you know, the Big Ten has been so tough that Wisconsin could easily be underseeded only because that they've had to play basically just other Big Ten teams. And I thought Texas Tech at a uh, at a six, they could have easily been a three. Yeah. Uh, but having said all that, I'm actually going to switch it up. And I think Illinois got the hardest road because you have arguably the most talented player in college basketball at a four seed on their side of the draw. Uh, West Virginia and and Huggy 
there. Doesn't you know? Doesn't mess around. And you know, this Houston team really gets up and down. So I, I'm actually in agreement with you. I think Illinois got uh got pseudo shafted, and that should have been Michigan's draw. So who do yeah. you think got the easiest draw? Oh, the Zags. I think the Zags. And, and, and deservedly so. Deservedly so. Deservedly so, right? So, I mean, you're going to start with, with two teams who have really been struggling. Missouri struggling to score. Oklahoma, major issues on the defensive end. Um, Oklahoma's given up a ton of threes over the past month against a team that, like the Zags that shoot lights out from three is is absolute disaster. Um, Missouri plays this no help, uh, like I call it Luke Yaklich, who's one of their assistants, um, defense, which when you're not going to help out against Corey Kispert, Jalen Suggs and Drew Timmy, you're kind of effed. Um, and, and then, and then you're looking at Creighton or Virginia, which, you know, Creighton it's a decent good, five seed, good, good offense, shoot a lot of threes, but you know, not great, not super strong defensively. And then Virginia if you get up by 10 to 15 on Virginia, the game's over. So um, it's, it's probably a pretty, a, a bit of a cakewalk, I would say to the elite eight for them. Um, and then lastly, the, the two in their region is Iowa. And Iowa is a team that Gonzaga already blasted earlier in the season. Yeah. Uh, they, they have a, a, the 50th ranked defense in the country, which for a two seed is kind of yuck. A team I do like in there is Oregon, which I'm going to get to in a bit later. But again, as a seven seed, it's, it's, it's a tough path to even get that far. So I think probably Gonzaga. And they and didn't uh, Gonzaga beat Kansas too already? Gonzaga, like that happened. Beat, Gonzaga beat the two, three, and four teams in the in Virginia. So yeah, I but but they deserved it. They're yeah. they're undefeated. They they deserved it. So I uh, can't really uh, – no qualms there. No qualms there. So uh, we talk about it every year. Uh, beware the 512. It's kind of become a little cliche. And uh, I, I don't think in 2019 we had any 12 seeds beat five seeds, or maybe it was just one. But that's the, uh, that, that's the upset special, it seems. So – if you if you had to pick any twelve seeds, who are you to upset the five seeds? Who are you feeling this year? Because I think there's one that's somewhat obvious, and the rest is kind of uh, I, I wouldn't yeah. expect it. I, I like two of them. I mean, we talked about this already, but I, I just don't like Colorado. I think Georgetown's playing really well. I think Georgetown plays really fast. Uh, if you've watched them over the past week, the super high octane offense against Colorado that values the ball, just a, a little much slower team. They try to grind it out. Um, I think there's an opportunity there for an upset, but, but I, I I'm really focused on Villanova Winthrop. Um, yep. I mean, Villanova is just a different team without Colin Gillespie and Justin Moore. I mean, they, they, they took two of their highest usage guards off the team. So, but specifically Colin Gillespie is a senior guard. He does it. He, he, he creates all their action out of the ball screen. I mean, he is the heart and soul of Villanova and, and ripping that out is tough. J- Jeremiah Robinson Earl is great. An awesome player, probably their best player. If I were to say who's the best player in Villanova, it's probably him. Um, but, but taking that out, it's, it's probably not, they're probably seated incorrectly if you remove Colin Gillespie from that team. So if you're going to ask me to pick an upset, uh, I'll pick Winthrop who I don't 23 and one Winthrop is, is, 
granted, they don't play a tough schedule by any means, but they win all their games. They mostly blast the teams in their conference. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that when Winthrop from 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 looking at them and, and looking into the bracket, I mean, they they um, play fast. They shoot a lot of threes. They crash the offensive glass. I mean, that that's a recipe for disaster when you're, when you're talking about upsets. So uh, I think that's the one I'm really keying in on, other than obviously Patrick Ewing and Georgetown taking down the buffs. No, uh, no fear with Creighton with UC Santa Barbara. It's possible, um, but again, Creighton and Creighton, I think, already had their little rut, and I think they're ready to do it. Um, I think Creighton was good last year, and I think this year Creighton's even better. I think when you have a senior guard like Marcus Segarowski, um, and, and you have mostly returning players that really want to get it done, I, I don't, I, I don't know if that's if that's right for the upset, but it's certainly possible. I mean, I've seen Creighton lose some pretty crappy games this year. So um, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the first one that jumped out at me was, um, was Georgetown, uh, Georgetown, Colorado, because I know uh, John Rothstein said this on part of my take today that you don't necessarily want to put too much stock into the kind of run that you're going to have in conference tournament time. But there is something to be said about like good juju coming in. Like if you're getting hot at the right time, I, I, I do subscribe to that. And again, the Connor Gillespie injury, uh, senior guards that have, you know, been successful on the big stage, like they're really important to tournament teams, like really, really important. You can't stress how important they are. So I mean, if I had to pick and when I fill out my bracket, I probably will pick those uh, those two. So now. All right. It's time. We're going to we're going to preview the regions. All right. We're going to go. We're going to start with the West with the number one overall seed, the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Um, How do you see? Let's let's break it down, starting from like the uh, Sweet 16. Where where do you see the Sweet 16 Elite Eight Final Four going in uh, the West region? I, I didn't, um, I didn't, I didn't necessarily make picks, but yeah, let's do it. Uh, so I, yeah, I, as I said, I really like Gonzaga to come through uh, really all the way. So I'm just moving them on. Um, and from the bottom of the region, so we're just going to go straight to the elite eight from the bottom of the region. Again, I really like this Oregon Ducks team. I think I was super vulnerable. Um, I spoke about that they were 50th ranked defense and, and yeah. they really improved that over the, over the, over the stretch of the past two months. But I mean, they play a lot of zone, they give up a ton of threes. And I think that that's a way to get caught in the NCAA tournament for a hot shooting team. I mean, Luca Garza has been really amazing. I mean, he, he is a machine. He's one of the best players, if not the best player in college basketball on, from a statistical offensive standpoint. Um, but he doesn't defend. I mean, he, he doesn't defend bigs who are traditional back-to-the-basket bigs. He doesn't defend stretch fives. I mean, that's a problem. You need to really grind it out and defend. And, and, and I really like Oregon. I mean, I, I think Oregon's been underseeded for sure. Uh, they, they weren't healthy for, the, for the, the whole season. So they've been 12-2 and two since February. Um, they're really mature. They play four guards uh, that are 6'5 or taller. Um, and then they have you know, they don't have a traditional, you know, seven footer, but Eugene Omarui is, is a really good Rutgers transfer who, who mm-hmm. gets out and shoots threes at a 40% clip as a big, I, I just, I really like Oregon and, and I think they're, they're underseated and I think they'll break through. Um, 
and I, I, I do, I, I don't, I don't necessarily know if I want to pick them to the elite eight. Uh, it's tough to say right now. I think that Oregon, Kansas is probably, is probably the matchup to watch. Kansas has been playing great, but I don't know how this COVID thing's going to affect them. I know okay. So what, so what's the latest with that? Because they had a, I think yeah. they had a positive test, right? So they pulled yeah. that out of their conference tournament. So, so what's Kansas going on? Traveled, here? They traveled without two players. So they, one player, I don't know his name. The other player is David McCormack, who is their is was awesome over the past week. He's one of their their, their big. So uh, I, I'm pretty sure he's going to play. I, I don't know. I just think he couldn't travel with the team. Um, but they had, yeah, they had a positive test, uh, and then they had one David McCormack who is, I guess, um, in contact with the other positive test. Okay, so, wait. So so McCormack didn't have a positive test. He was right. just contact tracing. Um, precautions yes so so that he has to stay in quarantine until like a certain amount of negative tests then he can travel um so i really like how kansas is playing too um so maybe we'll go with gonzaga breaking through the west and kansas over oregon and the other sweet 16 Um, is there any any hope for oklahoma who had been a really good team all year that has you know cratered the last couple of weeks Reef, you know, could they find a little magic and, and give Gonzaga a scare? Uh, I mean, they, they I, I don't, I don't think so. It's because Gonzaga is such a difficult matchup. And if you're going to tell me a team that's really been lax on defense, you can't really take plays off against Gonzaga. You can get your nope. face bashed in. So, um, and, and, and compounding that, you, you have to deal with Jalen Suggs and he's like the afterthought almost because Drew Timmy and Corey Kispert have been unbelievable. So it's, it, yeah, I, I just don't think Oklahoma has it. I mean, Austin Reeves is a great player, but it, yeah, I, I think that Gonzaga probably rolls on there. Yeah. So I have Gonzaga and, uh, and Kansas uh, initially again, the, the, this is like right off the bat having, you know, really, put all the thought into, into my bracket that I, that I will, not that it necessarily always matters, but uh, initial thoughts, I got Gonzaga against Kansas in the elite eight Gonzaga moving on. And um, a couple of big time NBA prospects, Jalen Suggs, who I love out of Gonzaga, Corey Kispert looks like he's going to be a top 10 ish pick, you know, in somewhere between like the seven and 12 range. Uh, Suggs is going to go top five, and uh, another guy, Evan Mobley out of USC, who's going to be the yeah, top I was, was going to mention Evan Mobley in this region. I mean, Evan Mobley has been amazing. I mean, they they, they don't know who they're going to play yet. They're playing Wichita State or Drake, but but USC has, has had a really good season, um, and, and it really was on the backs of Mobley. I mean, seven feet. I, I don't know how much Mobley you've watched, but he's remarkable. Not enough. I I I, I watched you know, two games of theirs a little bit. Um, I, it was hard to get it to Pac-12 basketball this year. He's a shot blocking nightmare. I mean, he has this also, he has this seven to nine foot like floater from away from the basket that he, he just drills. Um, and on limited attempts, I think he took like 43s this year. He's shooting like 33%. That's not bad. Um, but, you know, he's seven feet and he, he's, he's got, he's a, major shot blocker dominant on the offensive and defensive class um yeah very thin though very thin yeah he's thin but uh yeah and, and again 
I don't think USC has enough players to, around him to get through, but but he is certainly a, a, a big draw in that region. He gets overshadowed by Bill Walton and Dave Pash. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's tough to, you know, on the East Coast, it's tough to pay attention to uh, super late night uh, college basketball. But, you know, for those who want a great show, Bill Walton and Dave Pash, they, they never sure. disappoint. Bill Walton is absolutely ridiculous. All right. So moving on to the, the South region. So Baylor's the one seed. Um who you uh, who you feeling in this region to go to the um, you know elite oh, eight? Yeah. So let, let, let's move Baylor and um, let's move Baylor on and let into the Sweet Sixteen against Purdue. Um, I, I, I like Purdue again. I, I didn't like the Villanova Northwestern um, bubble thing. I <laughs> think that Purdue moves on to the Sweet Sixteen. Purdue really strong three point shooting team always. Matt Painter's teams are always great defensively and Travion Williams is just a mountain of a man down low. You, you, you'll, you'll see him and you're, you're going to think he's a defensive tackle. Um, but, but he's really, really, really good on glass. He draws a ton of fouls. Um, I think he's going to be a major problem for a lot of teams. Um, so Baylor, let's say Purdue. Um, and uh, let's just move Baylor on to the elite eight. And then in the bottom half of that bracket. Um, yeah. I, I think that, Arkansas, really, really fast-paced offense. Uh, they love to turn you over. Um, Eric Musselman's team's always, always good. Um, but, but I do think that they're super young and they aren't a great outside shooting team. So I do think they get caught. I want to say by Texas Tech. I think Texas Tech defends really well. I think Mac McClung is a great, great guard. Um, so, so. I'm going to actually call it the upset and, and put Texas Tech in the Sweet 16. And Ohio State is, I mean, it might, might be Big Ten bias, but their offense is just ridiculous. I mean, yeah, they have, they have two or three guards in Dwayne Washington, C.J. Walker, um, that literally don't miss shots. And then E.J. Liddell, he's not a great defensive big, but at 6'8", he just drills threes at like a 40% clip. And it it's really difficult to defend and, and Zed key's been playing better defense. And now they have Seth towns who's playing. So uh, I really like Ohio state um, to, to pull through there and, and let's just move Baylor on because honestly, Baylor, Baylor has gotten their swag back from the COVID pause. And, and yes, they, they didn't win the conference tournament, but they have so much firepower. They have so much firepower and you know, I know we're about to talk about some NBA players and, and it was really difficult to find in this region. Yeah. Uh, Texas tech is a six seed kind of was one thing when the bracket came out that, that really jumped out at me. Uh, I, I, I do think they can, they can catch uh, Arkansas and I wouldn't be surprised as good as Ohio state is. And I know, when in doubt, lean towards the Big Ten this year. But would it surprise you if Texas Tech was in the Elite Eight? It not wouldn't surprise all. me. Not at all. Not Chris Beard's a great coach, and, and I, I think Texas Tech, I mean, Mac McClung's been awesome. Terrence Shannon's been great. So I, I, I can definitely see that. They've got guys. Um, but if I, you know, push comes to shove, I'll probably take Ohio State and Baylor. And you know what? Let's, let's, let's do Ohio State. Why not? Ohio State Final Four. 
I know that 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 pains you, but it's okay. It's okay. It's Big Ten, right? Yeah, you know, iron sharpens iron. Uh, so uh, a couple of NBA guys to look out for in this uh, in this region. What do you got? I, I I did as much research as I can, and not a whole lot. Instead of picking NBA guys, I just want to talk about Baylor players because I don't get how the NBA doesn't have M- players on this team. I, I I tried to find how Jared Butler and Davion Mitchell, they're two six foot three guards. Well, Mitchell may be a first rounder. I think oh, in yeah. like the, the the late first round, I think Mitchell's going to be a first rounder. Okay, yeah. I mean, these guys are shooting over forty five percent from three, and they're six foot three guards, right? I mean, they have to be. There has to be room for them somewhere. Yeah. No, Maybe no, no question. Maybe not all stars, but um, no, they'll they'll be ro- they'll be rotation players. They'll be right. rotation. Like players. When you're that successful at the college level and you can shoot the three, I, so so yeah. I mean, Jared Butler and Davion Mitchell, like I, I, maybe a lot of people don't watch. I mean, everyone watches a lot of Baylor, but um, it, it's the, the, it's it's shocking to me that um, that that Baylor got this far without any like surefire lottery picks, you know. It's, it's really crazy, especially given how many other guys there are in the Big 12 and, and around the country. But that's been the kind of year it's been, right? I mean, the besides for Cade Cunningham and maybe Evan Mobley, like the one-and-dones, they didn't really do it this year. That wasn't the kind of year it was. Yeah. I mean, Jalen Johnson at Duke wasn't – that they weren't about that life this year. Uh, I mean, you had the G League taking Kaminga and Jalen Green – Right. So it wasn't that kind of one and done type year like that's just and, you know, and Coach Cal's bunch, you know, they they didn't weren't very good. So it, it really, you know, continuity really won out this year. Well, and then, and then subs is overshadowed almost. But <laughs> right. Right. But but he's on a team with uh, with other, you know, with another top 15 pick in Corey Kispert. Totally. Who's a, who's a senior. So, I mean, I would love for somehow the Knicks to get Jalen Suggs. Good Lord. I think he's so good. Um, all right. So on to the uh, Midwest region. We got Illinois as the one seed. Um, where, where are you holding here? Yeah. I mean, again, this is that, that difficult matchup, right? So I'm still going to move Illinois on. I think that Illinois, I mean, they are just so difficult. I mean, talk about NBA players and, and not freshmen, but seniors. You're talking about Ayo Desumu, who's who's really be a incredible. first rounder. Yeah, so he he's been awesome. Um, he's also very not afraid to take the last shot, which really comes down to it in March. And and he's the kind of guy that's going to drill that shot too. So attacking the basket, shooting from three, Ayo's a really really difficult matchup. Um, and, and Kofi Coburn down low is just, again, another mountain of a man that that's really, really difficult to defend. Um, yeah. They also so, have this lefty shooter who, who's got a nice stroke. I'm forgetting what his name is. It, um, Trent Frazier. Yes. But yes. Uh, yeah, so uh, Illinois, I'm pushing, moving to let's just go as far as the Elite Eight because I do think that they will beat Oklahoma State, which I'm going to put into uh the sweet 16 mm-hmm. um i think that on, on the bottom side of that bracket I, I really liked west virginia i like how they play um i i think that um Derek culver is a really good big and um miles mcbride re- really good guard um you know and then at the bottom of the bracket houston i, I think that's probably the 
I mean, I, I showed love for their offensive firepower, but if I'm going to say that there's a, a team that's like a little vulnerable there as a, as a higher seed, I'm probably going to go with Houston. I mean, Quentin Grimes is a total beast, but uh, they play in the AAC. The AAC stinks. Uh, they, they, they're a slow team that, that they don't have a ton of size in the paint. They, they foul a lot. Um, uh, but you know, they shoot a ton of threes. So, so maybe, and they shoot it really well from their one through five spots, but I think between West Virginia or Rutgers and Clemson on the bottom of half of the, the, the bracket, I think they will get caught. Um, so with that being said, I think this is the year that West Virginia actually does break through. I know, I know they get, they kind of get upset all the time, but uh, I'm going to put West Virginia. Um, I'm going to put West Virginia in my elite eight versus Illinois. And and I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Illinois through just because they're they've been playing so well lately and they feel like they have a chip on their shoulder because Michigan stole the Big Ten championship from a COVID <laughs> pause. So yeah. um, I'm gonna put Illinois through just because they've pretty much crushed every team that comes in their way. Um, J- John Rothstein loves the Illini this year. He 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 says that they're gonna win the whole thing. Yeah, they're 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 really good, and they have this guard Andre Curbelo, who's really been coming in hot lately. He's actually he's from uh, Long Island Lutheran uh, out here, so but he he's really good freshman guard. Um, but I mean, with Io and Kofi, it, it's it's just tough, you know. It's it, you have an awesome wing, and then you have a great great big. So I would love to pick Cade Cunningham to to do it. Because he's awesome, and he's going to be the number one pick in the draft, uh, prob- most probably. I mean, I think Evan Mobley's getting a little bit of love, but I, I don't, I don't see it uh, more than uh, Cade. So, but I, I can't because the Illini are, are that good. I have the Illini beating West Virginia in the Elite Eight, moving on to the Final Four as well. Uh, you know, again, first reaction. Uh, now we go to the East, right? We got uh, this is the Michigan region. Your boys, the number one seed. Uh, what do you like here? Because this one has the ability to get a little topsy turvy. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm gonna move Michigan on, and then you know, people are picking LSU to beat Michigan here and there as like an upset. I I, I don't see it. LSU's super young. Um, I don't even know if I, they could beat the Bonnies, but you know, there's a little recency bias with highly fair in the SEC tournament. So I'll probably move Michigan on to, to at least the second weekend. And then in the, in the bottom of their bubble, I kind of like Florida state with that length and athleticism. Um, and I think I like Florida state to also get through to the sweet 16 over, over, let's say Patrick Ewing's Hoyas. Um, yeah. And then on the bottom, I kind of like um, Alabama quite a bit. I mean, I, I really liked Alabama, but I, I, I also really liked UConn. So it was really difficult from this next I was going to say, I, I would like Alabama a lot more if UConn wasn't their seven. Yeah, yeah so that, that's really, really tough for me. Um, but I, I still think Alabama pushes through. I mean, not only do they play fast and, and they're really efficient and, and Herb Jones is awesome, but – they defend like hell. So if they don't bomb your brains in with threes, they're going to still defend you. So 
I, I just don't think Connecticut has the talent to stay with them. So I'm going to move Alabama on. And then, yeah, I, I kind of like this MSU UCLA upset over BYU. I think BYU is kind of soft, especially inside. Um, but, but I think Texas, Texas is good. I think they might be a little overseeded here. Um, it's they, funny they you have, say that because Texas was getting a lot of love and I, I didn't watch all the shows last night, but Texas was getting a lot of love from what I was seeing on Twitter. For, for sure. When you win your conference tournament, on, on you're going to get a lot of love, you know, on Selection Sunday. So they did. I mean, the, the problem is I, I think that their bigs are vulnerable big time. I mean, Greg mm-hmm. Brown, who I'm pretty sure is an NBA guy at some point in the first round. Um, but he, he turns the ball over quite a bit. Uh, not only he, does he, but Jericho Sims, Kai Jones, they, they foul a lot and they turn the ball over a lot. Uh, they have great guard play, Matt Coleman. Uh, he's awesome, but Texas and Texas is good. They're deep. Shock is okay. Um, but at the same time, I am probably pushing Alabama on just because Alabama is a freaky freaky team that just runs and has athleticism and if they don't bash you from three they are going to defend so I think I'm going to pull Alabama through over Michigan let's say in the elite eight and I'll put Alabama into the final four we're gonna get a little crazy here I'm gonna go with the UConn upset in round two uh, so it's going to be a sweet 16 matchup with Texas and UConn. Uh, I think Texas is going to prevail. Um, I'm going to say Michigan, Florida state in the sweet 16, Florida state's got a couple of NBA guys. Uh, it oh, seems yeah. like Leonard Hamilton. Yeah. Leonard Hamilton's been producing really good, um, NBA talent, uh, recently, uh, recruiting them to Florida state. Uh, so we got Michigan, Florida state, and uh, Texas, UConn. I'm gonna say Texas and Michigan move on. You know what? I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give your boys the nod. Let's go Michigan. I'm in. Let's go Michigan. Okay. So uh, before we talk about you know final four picks, so we we both agree that that the uh, the highest seed that's the most vulnerable we would say is Iowa. Correct? Of all the um, the one through three seeds. I think yeah, Iowa. Yeah, probably Iowa. Say so, Iowa, and and I would have Alabama too. Um, and I think it, they, if you switched Alabama and Houston, uh, I think Alabama would have been way better off. But whatever. I mean, that's just, that's just the way it is. Uh, that that's the uh, that's the draw. So your final four to recap is you've got. If Gonzaga, I, Gonzaga, Baylor, Baylor, Illinois, and Alabama. Okay, so title title game picks. Title I'm holding you picks. to this. Remember. Yeah, right. I'm gonna have 20 other brackets after this. Uh, title game. I'm gonna do Gonzaga, and we're going to roll with Illinois. Um, and then I am going to make the national champion, the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Um, I know overall number one seed is technically like cursed, but I don't care when you have this much talent. Um, Not only did you destroy your league play, but in the non-conference you bashed everyone's brains in and you were awesome. 
good mix of seniors, good guards, good NBA guys. Is is no? I don't see any vulnerabilities other than COVID and injuries. So um, yeah, and you can't yeah. predict those. Nope. So then, yeah, Zags. Zags are my national champion. I have Gonzaga against. We'll say, uh, you know what? I, I have it too. I'm going to go Gonzaga against Illinois, and Gonzaga cuts down the Nets. I, I, I don't remember a team this dominant in the regular season, um, with especially with the high end uh, NBA caliber talent that they have. And in a in a weird year like it's been, it's just like it seems to be that that the mix of continuity and Jalen Suggs running the point. I don't think any other team has that. So Gonzaga, Gonzaga takes it. 25% capacity gyms. I think that takes out a lot of the external factors. And then, you know, a lot of these guys have played in NFL stadiums before they played a ton of neutral games also. So yeah, I, I, I like it quite a bit. All right, Jordan. It's good to be back. We missed it last year. We Everybody savor this, all right? You remember how depressed you were last March that there was no NCAA tournament? So savor it this year. Yeah, the scheduling's a little weird. Whatever, fine. We don't get the Thursday, Friday. That, that Those are the two best days of the year normally. You know what? I don't care because something's better than nothing. This is wonderful. It's amazing. I, I really can't wait till that first game tips off at 12.15 on, on uh, Friday. It's going to be an awesome, awesome tournament. And uh, obviously, it was great to catch up. There was no one I uh, I could preview the bracket with better uh, than you. Um, you know, you're my cousin Sal to my Bill Simmons when it comes to NCAA tournament. Always love talking to you. And we're obviously going to have to run it back around Sweet 16 time to recap the craziness. It's going to be Absolutely. it's going to be awesome. All right, Jordan, always a pleasure to speak to you soon. Thanks so much again. Take care. Thanks again to my recurring guest, Mr. Jordan Marks, for breaking down this year's tournament field. The NCAA tournament is upon us. Can't wait for the action, wall-to-wall action coming this weekend. And that's episode 107 for the love of the game. Take us out, Jeezy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.